Hey everybody, welcome back to The Transfer Experience. We hope you enjoyed our first two episodes, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about some mistakes and some highlights during our junior college career. My name is Max. My name is Chanyo, I also go by Paul. And my name's Brielle, and you're listening to episode three of The Transfer Experience Podcast. So... Before we get started, before we get into the episode, um, I thought that, and we talked about it a little bit before recording this, I thought a funny sort of question to ask everyone here would be to ask about any notable sort of injuries or accidents that they might have had. Um, I know I know, Brielle had one earlier, this, to the, earlier today, and so I think that's what sort of got us the idea. And I could go first. Um, Actually, I want to ask you guys first. I already know about mine, so I want to hear about I'll your go guys first, first. Since yeah. I was my misery today is what started this. Um, yes. What I was telling them before we started recording is that I was eating my breakfast. I was having French toast, and I went to stand up, and I randomly wheezed. Like I went, <gasps> and I took in this sharp, randomly wheezed. I took in this sharp <laughs> breath of air on accident, and I had food in my mouth when I did it. And in doing so, I shot all of the food in my mouth up my nose. So. I still feel it, and for the past hour or two, I have been trying to get French toast out from behind my tonsils and up my nose. <laughs> so I've been coughing, I've been crying, I've been sniffing pepper to try to make myself sneeze, blowing my nose nonstop, and I just feel like there's something up there in the back of my throat that I cannot get out. So it is one example of a really weird, notable injury that I've had, and it just so happened to be today. Yeah. Um... I have, like, I'm very accident-prone, which is really weird, because, like, I've done marching band since middle school, so I should have really good, like, <laughs> hand-eye coordination. Oh, and, like, But a lot of my... I've never broken a bone. I've never had to go to a hospital for an injury. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. But, like, <laughs> I roll my ankle a lot. Um, When I was at Berkeley, I was surprised I didn't roll it more often. In fact, the first time I rolled it, was right after I was walking home with a friend and I was just telling her about how often I roll my ankle and then I rolled my ankle in the same walk. And I was like, damn, that's wild. <laughs> um, but the one that I think of is like the funniest is I was in middle school and me and two of my close friends would, uh, we'd walk over to this elementary school, just like it was summer. We'd always walk together to over this creek and go to this elementary school. And they had like, um, it'd be really hot. And they had a, uh, like a garden area and we would take the hose, the water hose, and, like, use it to, like, do, like, oh, like, let's make a water slide and, like, go to the slide and, like, pour mm. the water out. But I remember this one thing was, um, I think I put water, like, we found a chip bag, like, a small chip bag, and I put water in and I was going to throw it like a water balloon. And I'm chasing my friend with the water balloon. And it was literally like a cartoon where there's a slide in the way, right? Uh -huh. And my friend ducks under the slide and I go around the corner hella fast and don't see the slide. And I hit my forehead hella hard on the slide like fall completely oh, backwards like no. picture it as a cartoon and that's exactly what happened and yeah in that same part Bonk. there was a time where like i sat down with my back against a basketball pole pole my friends were playing they both shot at the same time and mm. they went at like the same momentum but one was slightly slower 
and it hit the other ball. So it doubled its momentum and hit me right in the face when I was wearing glasses. And my glasses were super bent and fucked up and my face was hurting. And we were just laughing. It was just really <laughs> stupid and funny. <laughs> they, they were laughing. Were you laughing? I was laughing, too. I was like, oh, this, this is hella stupid. Like, of course, something like this happens to us. Damn. What about okay. you, Paul? I know you had a dancing career. Is this dancing related? <laughs> this is... No, this is not... I mean, in a way, I guess. Um, so I started wearing contacts in high school because of dance, right? And after a while, my eyes started getting dry after like two, three years. So I was trying out this new brand of contacts. I forget what they're called, but they're supposed to be like the best one. And they're kind of thick for like maximum, I don't know, whatever, like moisture. So I try on the new pair and, you know, I go on about my day and then it's about 12 a.m. I'm getting ready to sleep. So I'm, about, I'm trying to take my contacts off and I can't even grab it. I, <laughs> it just feels like it's flushed, in, like flushed in with my eye. I can't even take it out. This is why people are terrified of contacts. I know, right? I don't think I'm helping that. But um, <laughs> so for like two hours, I couldn't get it out. I thought it was it wasn't a different part of my eye. My I ended up becoming purple almost because for like two hours of like trying to take it out, and like I knew that wasn't a good thing to do. But I was I wanted to sleep, so <laughs> I was trying my best to take it out. But after two hours, I couldn't do it, and I didn't want to sleep with contacts in because that's supposed to be really bad so i ended up going to a hospital <laughs> at the middle of the night to get the taken out and honestly it took a while even there too <laughs> how did they take them out did they use tweezers i'm trying to remember i'm glad we didn't do tweezer that wasn't an option thankfully but i think they dropped something in my eye to numb it and then there was like a suction i don't know I, I, that memory is still hazy did but whatever like it did, it didn't really. Your eyeball? <laughs> Something like that. It was like a suction <laughs> little thing. No, no, no. It, was, it was a Q-tip. It was a Q-tip, I think. Oh, okay. Not a Q-tip, but something like that. And like they were trying to move it. Um, was it like, but, or it's at like the corner of your eye, so like it's really hard to grab, or you just couldn't grab it at all? So I thought it was the corner of my eye, and I thought that's why I couldn't grab it. So I was trying to go for the corner, but it was in the middle of my eye. So I was actually oh, making shit. it worse. <laughs> You were just missing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I was just missing the whole time. And so ultimately, I think we were taking a break and I was trying again. And it just fell out after like four hours of all that ordeal. So I didn't go back to that brand afterward. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped wearing contacts less because of that. Dude, I think when I started wearing contacts, I had something similar. But it was at the corner of my eye. Like I could see it. And this mm. is awful. If you, if you like get squeamish, you should skip like 20 seconds maybe on the podcast. But <laughs> dude, I got hella close to the mirror. I could see it and I don't have nails or anything, right? I'm getting my finger in it. I can't grab it. I yeah. Like, I know Fuck it, deal. dude. I grabbed tweezers. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you do that? I grabbed tweezers. And I like made sure I was grabbing like as far in the corner as oh, I can. So my. it's not touching my eye and it's only touching the lens. And no. I like, I don't, I don't like pinch it together. But I just make sure, like, the less sharp edge is touching my lens. Ugh. And I, like, I drag it across. No. I'm like, oh, it's fine. And I took it out. And I was like, oh, great. I didn't die. That's so gross. Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. You know what I did once when I was a kid is I got, um, for the holidays one year, my parents gifted us, like, Shrek 
I was obsessed with Shrek. We were all obsessed with Shrek. <laughs> Shrek like figurines. So we had them all like uh-huh. little dolls of all the Shrek characters. It was Shrek 2. So the fairy godmother had a cute little fairy wand and had a star on the tip of the wand. And me being a psycho child, I bent off the star on the wand and stuck it in my ear. And it got stuck. <laughs> and my family couldn't get it out. And I lied and said my brother did it while I was taking a nap on the couch. I never took a nap on the couch. So how could I possibly... Like, how could... <laughs> So I lied, said that he did it, and my parents couldn't get it out, so I had to go to the hospital where this doctor shined a very bright light down my ear and had to, like, wedge it out. That's so scary. Damn. Did your brother forgive you for that? Did my parents forgive me for that? Your brother. Oh. I don't even think... My brother... Too young. How old was I when I lived in that house? I was, like, five, so he was, like, four, so I don't think he even really knew what was going on. (laughs) You just were like, ah, I really want to stick the star in my ear. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But then when Whoa. I realized I couldn't get it out, I had to blame someone else. Naturally. Dang. Naturally. <laughs> Alright, do we have some segue? Yeah, no, we'll, we could just dive, dive in right, like this. This week's episode is on two mistakes and one highlight in community college. Loosely based around an exercise you guys might have heard of called a rose and a thorn. But I guess in this case, we're doing one rose and two thorns. But, like, the thorn isn't necessarily a negative in this case. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so we could start off with the mistakes first. Mistakes to avoid in community college. Does anyone want to start us off? Um, the first mistake that I made that I would advise others avoid while in community college is not making study groups. So that sounds a little bit funny, but I would say that it is a mistake if you do not reach out to others in your classes to work together and collaborate on study guides or to prepare each other for what's coming in the week. So when I was in community college, I did this a little bit, but not in every single class. I wish I had gone to every single class, formed a friendship with at least one person, and was able to have someone to work alongside throughout the course. I think that it's really easy to feel like you're all alone in community college and you have to do everything by yourself. But if there's an opportunity to collaborate with others, that makes group projects easier later on. You know who you want to pick for your project. It also makes your own life a little bit easier whenever you go into a test setting or onto the next assignment that you know that if you have any questions, there's always someone you can reach out to. So I remember seeing everyone in the Canvas chat being like, hey, does anyone know what's going on? I need some help. Does someone want to chat? It's If you form a study group in the classroom, then you always have someone to reach out to. In worst case scenario, you can reach out to the rest of the class if something's still unclear. So having not done enough of that in community college, I would advise that everyone should. Yeah, sometimes it's like hit or miss, right? Because Sometimes you get in the study groups where like, ah, this is like a very productive group. And the Mm. other times you have those leechers that are like only there. (laughs) They're like, all all take no give. But it's like what Michael Scott said. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Sincerely. Very, very true. And Wayne Gretzky. But also like, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) my classes, even at Berkeley, I I was always like, all right, I need to make sure because I was a leecher. I was like, ah. I need to make sure like I get because I I, I do really well in discussion based like learning. Mm. So, dude, every class I fucking scouted my classmates like I paid attention to who was volunteering, who was on their phones, who asked good questions, who asked dumb questions. And I was like, ah, 
I knew like day one who I was going to talk to and who I wasn't going to talk to. Like so literally like, like sports scouting classmates. Yeah. But definitely like if you do well in like discussion based stuff, definitely look forward to study groups because they could always like help you out if you like missed a day or whatever. Yeah. Did it did it make a difference for you guys when you were in groups versus when you didn't have a study group in a class? Um, I would say that uh in a study group setting, I'm definitely more of the teacher out of the group dynamic. I mm. tend to be the one that typically knows the most of what we're going over and will spend a lot of that time explaining it to other people. So if there's another person like that in the group as well, then I feel like it's a good dynamic because you'll have a good enough a number of people asking questions and a number of people explaining things. But when I'm the only teacher person in a group setting and always taking the lead, then I don't necessarily learn more. I just perfect what I thought I already knew and get a better idea of the information that I've already sorted through. But definitely if there's others in the group who will engage equally as much as myself in teaching the information, then I find it really successful. Yeah, that makes sense. Paul, you tend to do like more independent work though, right? I I think so. I think in community college, I ended up spending most of my time studying alone. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think I just want the responsibility all to myself. And I, I knew when it came to study groups, some people, you know, wanted to divide and conquer, right? They wanted to split sort of the assignments or yeah. readings to do and then collaborate afterwards. I just wanted to do it all myself. So I think that's what sort of prevented me from joining study groups in the beginning. And I didn't, I think it was only at Berkeley that I started seeing the use for them, that it was helpful to discuss those things that you were learning to other people, that you had to verbalize things if you wanted to understand it better. So that's probably one thing that I, I could call it as a mistake as well, not doing that enough back in community college. Yeah, I mean, independent work has its value, but I, I think there's no harm in doing group work as well like that. It just it just helps, I'm sure. Let's see. So when I was at my junior college, I, I figured out pretty quickly, like, Cal was my number one school I wanted to get into. Um, just like how, first, how early? First semester? First semester. Like? Yeah, like first semester oh my at my junior God. college because I was visiting like my friends at their respective universities like mm-hmm. to hang out. And when I was on Berkeley's campus, I was like, oh, shit, like, I want to be a better person. Like, I want to be someone that wants to learn. Yeah. And, like, I remember that feeling. I, I didn't have that at any other campus. Not like shitting on other campuses, but like, I didn't have, there was like such a unique feeling. Um, It might be because like, I didn't know shit about college or like, I, I definitely didn't know like Cal was a pretty big deal. Um, So just being on the campus, like, oh, there's like a real ass thing. Like, this is like something you see in a movie. Like, that's, that's cool. Right. Um. And when I learned, like, I, I kind of just did, like, okay, I'm going to contact my counselor at my respective community college. Um, let me talk to, like, my friends at Berkeley, how difficult it is. And then, like we talked before, like, assist.org. Um, another really useful website, I don't know if we mentioned in the last one, last episode, was um, there's a resource called UC Transfer Rate. If you Google UC Transfer Rate by major. I know. What um, we did talk about it. Info yeah. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Like, those were the only resources I did, along with, like, there was some kind of thing. You guys know what TAG is, right? Transfer Agreement Guarantee? Um, Admission Guarantee. Admission Guarantee. What did I say? (laughs) Guarantee Admission? I don't know. uh, Whatever. Um, (laughs) Same thing. Same thing. For for those of you that don't know what TAG is, it's basically, like, an agreement that community colleges have with certain 
universities with certain departments. Basically saying if you complete all these classes with this certain GPA, you're guaranteed admission. Um, Berkeley doesn't have any of those agreements. Um, there was another program I'd heard of because I was inquiring about that with a transfer counselor. Um, there was another program I heard of called TAP. Transfer... Alliance Project? Something, right? something like, like that. that. Mm. And honestly... Uh, it was cool. Like they, they did like one workshop with us about our personal statements that were, that helped. But what I wish I had done, the mistake I wish I avoided was just not talking directly with the school. Um, it's kind of something I lightly talked about in one of the last episodes too, is just like contact the university, contact like the department you're interested in and just see like a lot of those people are there to help students and you are a student. And the worst thing that happens is they're like, we can't help you try this person. At least mm-hmm. in my experience, people, like, if I didn't know something, I always try to point them in a direction to someone I thought would know something. And I think that would have been really helpful in, like, learning about how the media studies program worked at Berkeley. Like, knowing that I wouldn't be declared immediately. I had to take the first intro class. Learning more about transfer housing. Like, Paul had a transfers-only housing that I think was a little cheaper than I got apartment with, like, my friends that were already going to school there. But, yeah, definitely something I would advise. Just contact contact the universities you want to go to. Yeah. Out of curiosity, Bria, when did you know you wanted to go to Cal? Um, I decided to go to Cal when I realized I had a 4.0 and I didn't have to follow <laughs> okay, someone. Okay, okay. When I realized I had the GPA for it and it wasn't going down anytime soon and I was no longer interested in someone that I was willing to go to other schools for. Is this the miss oh, we're not talking about our GPA from a few episodes ago? Y'all said ago? that I have to talk about my GPA, so I might as well drop it like that, you know? Oh, see, I thought it was going to be the opposite thing. I thought you'd be like, oh, I had a low GPA. Instead, you had to flex. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. That is when I realized. I was like, you know what? There's no reason that that I can no, think of why Berkeley wouldn't accept me. if I, As long as I have a 4.0 and I have good enough personal insight essays, that's really all they're asking for. So, no so was this like know. second semester, third semester? I think I realized it. So wait, I had a big breakup. First semester. Okay. <laughs> still seeing the person spring semester first year. Oh I man, think this is your timeline is this like is my whole timeline of my relationship. Yeah, not just along my with the person. Experience. Um, oh yikes! I think. I stopped talking to the person in early fall eighteen, <laughs> so which means that I had applied <laughs> late seventeen, right? yeah yeah so i yeah, realized yeah, yeah. i think i realized it like that summer going into the application okay. season or literally like mm. as i was about to start applying i was like well shit i could add I that see. one too but it wasn't like the plan until i actually did it i see gotcha how about you paul i think after the first semester like on december i think that winter mm-hmm. that's when i sort of made up my mind hey like i'm gonna transfer to berkeley I also visited Berkeley, I think, before starting community college, and that sort of helped me get sort of an inspiration for, okay, these are sort of the places I could transfer to if I worked hard enough. And I remember getting the Berkeley flag and putting, oh, it, on okay. my, putting, it, putting it on my wall as an you inspiration. You gotta manifest it, dude. <laughs> exactly. I, I remember, like, freshman year exactly. of college, being at the junior college, visiting my friend. I remember going into Doe, right, the second floor of Doe, the reading room. Mm-hmm. I'm going in there and be like, oh, like, this is some Harry Potter shit. Like, I'm trying to be on this level. Like, this is dope. And I remember going to, like, VLSB 
and seeing like they had the like big ass dinosaur bones and all that. This is this is tight, dude. Like I, this is a real ass. I I had never been to. That was probably like the third college I've ever I had ever been to in my life. Like growing up, I didn't go look at colleges with my parents or anything. Like that mm. wasn't a thing. Yeah, I just remember like feeling great and be like, ah, this this is it. This is it, chief. Yeah, exactly. I want to manifest it. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, my yeah mistake to avoid for me the first one that I would advise other people is don't get stuck in community college. Um, and I've seen this happen a lot, at least where I went. Um, and you know, everyone's timeline is different. Some people are there longer. They, it's fine if you're taking at a slower pace. But I think the problem is when the pace gets longer than you anticipated and when it sort of gets out of track, that's not on par with what you wanted. Um, and yeah, so I don't think this would really apply to you if, you know, your pace is a slower one and you're trying to spend not that much time at CC, you have other things going on, that's fine. But if you're trying to transfer, you know, on a relatively standard slash fast schedule, three, two years, I think it's absolutely crucial that you don't get stuck in community college. Um, every semester, you should sort of renew and take a look at your timetable again and make sure that everything's consistent with the schedule you had in mind when you first started community college or the schedule that you're just developing. Yeah, I feel like if you don't have a timetable, it might be really easy to get out of track. I've seen this happen to some of my friends and... I just don't think it's a good idea to stay in community college for longer than you have to. So yeah, that'd be one mistake that I would focus on. For, yeah. And I would add that that probably does not apply to anyone who has unique circumstances that would make it so they'd have to stay at community college for a long mm -hmm, time, mm -hmm. like constantly needing to take a reduced course load, totally understandable. Um, disabled students, totally understandable. Um, any circumstances that would prevent you from moving through community college quickly that's not what we're speaking to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then so we could go into the second round from here. Um, Brielle, do you want to start us off again? Yes. So the second mistake that I guess this is the final mistake that I would avoid while attending community college is to take classes that don't actually go with you once you leave the community college. Now I know there are nuances to this. There are some courses that you must take in order to take the next one that might be university transferable, like a certain math class might not transfer, but that's the one that you've tested into. So you have to take that first before you can take the university transfer math class. So Understandably, there are differences in each student's profile that would make this happen or not, but I tried to avoid taking any courses that did not go with me to the future schools. So didn't really take any classes that wouldn't have given me credits towards my transfer units, um, really doing the bare minimum in terms of units so that I could guarantee that every unit that I took would go with me rather than taking maybe 70 units of semester credits at my community college, but only being allowed to take 60 of them because 10 of them didn't work out at that next school. So I really prioritized only taking courses that I could contribute to my transfer accreditation process. So for me, that was mostly attributed to the fact that I didn't need to test into a certain math class. I'd already completed enough math in high school to automatically enter community college ready for statistics or... Um, English classes, I understand some students have to test into certain English classes or reading and comprehension courses. 
but I started directly with freshman English, so I was able to avoid having to take anything that was not transferable credit. I know there are some really cool courses that people like to take for fun in community college that I would totally say this doesn't apply to. Like if you want to take, if you're archery, school, yeah, archery. <laughs> if you want to take archery, if you want to take PE, hey, my archery units transferred, bro. <laughs> hey, there you my go. Archery oh, units shoot, are my why bad. I had the sixty units. Before that, I was at fifty nine. Oh my! So okay. I don't want to hear any archery slander. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate archery in this podcast um but anything not pertaining to the university transfer um credit process i pretty much avoided and i understand there are courses that you can take for fun or that you might need to take in order to access the other courses that i would say still obviously you still have to do that and there are some that you want to take for fun that's totally a good idea but if you are trying to maximize the amount of courses that you take in a short period of time, I would stress taking courses that do transfer to the next school that you attend or your schools that you are interested in so that you can guarantee all of your units went to a good purpose. Yeah, I, and I think we touched on, I guess, in the first episode, but I'm assuming that that played a pretty important role in your figuring this all, about, all of this out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really only took courses that were on I Getsy. I don't think I took anything yeah. that wasn't. Yeah, I, I think that's the same case for me too. Except this... for uh, one or two. What's up, Max? No, I was going to say, like, Brielle had mentioned, like, if, if you do want to take a course for fun, you should go for it. I think, like, more so what she's saying is, like, if you are trying to, like, maximize how quickly you transfer, that might not be the best idea. But if your schedule allows for it, or, like, you just want to take a class for fulfillment, like, go for it. Yeah, at least in my case, I was ready to go, ready to go to the next school. So I only took things that I could take with me to the next one. Right. Um, my mistake was not applying to schools I thought were out of reach. Um, I knew Berkeley was like somewhat reasonable because I fit within like the GPA range of average admitted students because of that um, website we talked about. Mm. Um, and I knew like, oh, yeah, like Berkeley's my number one. But I think I kind of brushed to the side some other schools that like might have had a better communications program. Well, Cal doesn't even have communications. Cal has media studies. Right. And I did communications at my junior college. And like part of me wishes I pursued that specifically because it is like a tad more practical. Um, but like I wish I had looked into like USC's communications program. I think like mm. I heard like, oh, you know, like USC is a private school. There must not be good financial aid. There must not like it must be hard, significantly harder to get into, but I think like at with my GPA and like what I was doing, I probably could have been a competitive applicant. But I just immediately like it was out of sight, out of mind. I was like, yeah, I'm not getting in there. Um, so I definitely wish like I had looked into like USC and maybe some other private schools, um, and even applied. I I got like free applications for like all the UCs and CSUs that I did apply to, mm -hmm. so like that was awesome. And I think you can get like something like that for some private school apps, but just, you know, if you can afford it, if you can afford the application, you should definitely just go for it and um, just look more into the schools. Don't just be like, ah, there's no way I'm getting in there. You, you never know what can happen. Yeah. Okay. Out of curiosity, how many schools did you guys apply to? Five. I was actually thinking this morning, I wish I applied to Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, said and done. Part of me, part of me wishes I'd done that too. I don't even know if I have a communications program. Um, shoot, I applied. I think I applied to four, I I applied four or to five, five or six. I remember doing my UC application 
and I was at like my school's like transfer center room. That was like the first time I was ever in there. I didn't know it existed. And they were helping me with like the UC app and they're like, oh, are you doing any CSU apps? And I was like, uh, I wasn't really thinking it because like this UC is my safety school. And I was like, but if you have a free waiver, I'll do it. And they're like, yeah, look, do you, do you meet these things? And I was like, yeah, I do. And they're like, all right, put in this code. And I was like, oh, tight. So I put like three CSUs right there, like as a safety, 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 mm-hmm. not like shitting on the CSUs at all. Um, but I just knew like I wanted to do Berkeley and everything. But yeah, right. I think I did like five or six. Do you guys have any? So Brielle said Stanford. Mine was USC. How about you, Paul? I also wish I had applied to Stanford just just to see if I had gotten in. I don't even think I considered it. I just considered it. I, I was only considering UCs at the time when I was applying. Here's the ultimate just apply, We just tend to limit ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. I remember one of my friends that went to Berkeley. He, as a freshman, he was in the dorm and he said everybody in his hall. He, he was a Stanford kid. Like growing up, he only wanted to go to Stanford. I remember going to his house and he had like some Stanford memorabilia. Mm-hmm. He said everybody in his dorm hall was the same thing. All of them wanted to go to Stanford and none oh, of no. them got in. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's what they say about all I of us like, at Berkeley. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, no. That's who we are. The, everyone who didn't get in. To, as it was like anyone who go goes Bears. to Berkeley is someone who got into UCLA but didn't get into Stanford. Is like that, <laughs> that's a, See, I didn't even know like, these profile. things like existed. Like... <laughs> Until I I was at the university and I was like, oh, right. there's so much competitiveness between the schools or rivalry. It's pretty funny, yeah. but yeah. Did you guys Did you guys get into UCLA? Nope. I didn't apply. Oh, okay. I got denied. I got denied from LA for communications and I got mm-hmm. waitlisted by Cal Poly. Um, I forgot which one. There's Pomona and there's... San Luis... Yeah, San Luis like Obispo. Yeah, SLO, I think yeah. I wanted to get into slow for calm. I got waitlisted and then denied. Oh, it's hard man. to get into slow. They don't take transfers that much. Oh, I was like, what? They're very, they're what, was, transfer I was like, rate. what was my application then? <laughs> no, yeah, no. They do, but their transfer rate is extremely low. It's like That's the same thing with Stanford, right? Yes, same thing with Stanford. They both are yeah. very, very picky about transfer students and unlikely. Right, right. Yeah. Um, my mistake... Um, one that I would fix and would advise people to be aware of when they're starting a community college is not building relationships with professors. And let me explain why. So say you go through community college without any significant relationship with your professors. You don't really know them that well. And now you just transferred. You're at the school of your choice, hopefully. And it's first semester, right? And you're trying to apply to things. You're trying to join clubs. You're trying to join to school opportunities and whatnot, other programs, right? What if you need a letter of reference from a professor? Mm-hmm. Who are you going to contact? You know, you just started at that new college. So not them, obviously, anytime soon. So past professors. Um, and yeah, so this is, this is where I think building a relationship comes in and is crucial. And I think I built relationships with only two or three. And... You know, I think that was bare minimum, just enough for letters of rec and references. But I wish I'd done more. I wish I opened up to professors more and visited them more. Um, yeah, it, it's just going to help you out later once you transfer. And when you're yeah. at the university, too, it might even be more important at the university mm. to build relationship with your professors. Yeah. Because I know, like, numerous students at, like, Berkeley who even, like, 
they got they they were presented with internship opportunities solely because they had been talking to a professor who was doing research in that field or knew somebody who was doing research in like a field and recommended the student and like all of a sudden there's this opportunity you didn't even know existed mm. yeah right. i think at my junior college i was probably close enough with like one professor to ask for a letter of rec and then even at like you and then like when i got to the university i was like all right i need to make sure like my professors somewhat know who i am and then i probably only got close to like maybe two two or three at the university but it's hard when you're a transfer like you only have two years right Right. I can't imagine how it is now. Like, how do you get close to professor now with like Zoom? Go into their like you have to go to their like office hours in Zoom and it's Zoom just one on one webcam. Like that's weird. Mm-hmm. That got me thinking though. I do remember there was um, an instructor that I did reach out to. I I was still a student at DVC when I needed the letter of rec, but it was for Davis. So when I was in mm. the application season. Um, I was still obviously still a student at uh, DVC waiting to hear back from all of my acceptances. And around like April, when Davis announced um, my acceptance, they also invited me to apply to the Regents and Chancellor Scholarship. And in order to do so, I needed a letter of rec from someone. So at the time, I was still in my social research methods class for my sociology class or mm-hmm. sociology transfer stuff. So I had asked my social research methods instructor to write mine. So I can imagine that would have been useful as well. Um, Once I got to Cal, if I had any reason to reach out to any instructors at my previous college, she would have been a good person to go to, having already written written one for me in the past. But even during the application season, there are going to be times when these schools might ask you, if we accept you, we're considering you for this scholarship. Or now that you've been accepted, we want to invite you to do X, Y, or Z. Do you have a letter of rec? So at the time, yeah, I needed one for Davis to get the Regent Scholarship, and that was a good time for me to call on a relationship I had formed at my community college with a previous instructor. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, give your professors or instructors ample amount of time. Don't be like, hey, I need this letter of rec next week. Can you work on it? Because, like, there are people, too, right? One of our academic advisors, two of our academic advisors constantly told us, like, if you need a letter of rec, hit us up. One of them specifically would constantly say, though, don't tell me the week of when you need it. Like, that's not fair. Shout out, right. Andrew. But like, <laughs> you know, give them ample amount of time because they're doing you a favor, but also keep on them about it. Professors are not perfect. They can very easily forget about the one time you mentioned it to them in their office hours. Email them, go to them after class. Say, hey, how's it going? Can I get you any more information on it? But don't do it too much because then they're going to be like, oh, fuck this kid. I'm not going to write them. Right? <laughs> Always. It's always about a balance, but good, which... good, like, good tip good mistake to avoid i need to Mm. follow up with someone about one of those it's due in like 18 days yeah yeah so now we're going to talk about kind of the opposite thing of mistakes which is um highlights during our junior college career life Mm -hmm. do you want to go Briel? keep our same order sure so the first thing that came to mind which I would consider a significant memory from community college is obviously unique to me this isn't an experience that'll happen for everybody but this was a particularly enjoyable moment in my community college career was that I had formed a friendship with a group of girls uh, two of them I had gone to high school with and re-met later on at DVC and another one came from another local high school and the four of us ended up taking a bunch of our classes together But we met in our oceanography laboratory class, and we just spent pretty much every lab paired up with each other. We would break off the group into, like, 
two separate pairings and we each partner up with the same person every time. But as a four, we all were still really good friends and spent every class together. And mm. in future semesters, we took film classes uh, on Monday nights or it was like Thursday nights. So they were like six to nine p.m. That really it was just watch a movie. And sometimes the instructor would give us like a pop quiz style essay. Just write one page about what you watched and the significant topic for that day. And that was the entire format of the class besides like a one final paper. So every single day that we would have class, this film class, we would probably also have classes in the afternoon. So we would all meet up once we were done with our afternoon classes and have a significant break between like our 3 3 p.m. end time and our 6 p.m. start time for film. So we would all pile into one person's car, drive off campus and go get dinner. And then we'd stop by Whole Foods or Safeway or a gas station and just grab all of the movie theater snacks we could think of. We'd get popcorn. <laughs> Sometimes we even bought a whole chocolate cake from Whole Foods. Oh, And spoons. Wow. <laughs> and, spoons. <laughs> and like forks. And we would show up to class with movie theater candy, dinner leftovers, a cake, um, popcorn, and just have a full on feast in the back of the room. So we would just sit there and spend the entire film class, three hours a week, uh, really treating it like we were going to a movie theater, uh, watching these movies together. We all sat and hung out in the back and pigged out. It it was so much fun. We always had new things every week. And sometimes people would turn around and be like, what are y'all eating this time? Like, what's up? (laughs) And it became a thing, though, that over time in this film class, everyone started bringing snacks and have our dinner during the class um or we'd all share or something like that but my favorite one is when we'd bring an entire chocolate cake we'd go to whole foods buy one from like the bakery section and we wouldn't even cut it up we didn't bring paper plates it was just the four of us pre-covid obviously this doesn't happen anymore (laughs) we'd grab our silverware and just sit there eating cake from the pan with a spoon or like with a fork in the middle of watching like some 1950s black and white like random film about like american history and we're just like chomping down on cake in the back corner so <laughs> that was something that i really enjoyed nice. about my dvc experience dude i took a film class that was similar at berkeley um that was just like you go in class watch movie it's tight mm. seems like you two both had fun in a movie class mm-hmm. I, you guys oh, might recall yeah, that yours, i did it like <laughs> impacted everything about your being yeah, oh, yeah i was sure like, i gotta be <laughs> yeah rocked me but anyway max back to you um my highlight was from my f- was it my first semester i think it was my first semester um in my intro to public speaking class all the professors one of the professors was in charge of the speech and debate team so naturally at the end of the semester there would always be a like speech competition um, that was only for like the communication one students. And my professor told me, I didn't have the speech and debate professor, but my professor was just like, hey, as long as you guys compete in it, you don't have to take the final. Like you get an A in the final. And I was like, oh, lit. Like, of course I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter. Like I'm comfortable with talking in public. Uh-huh. So I pulled out some speech that like I half asked when I wrote it for the first time, did no preparation, walked in. Like there's there's a lot of students because of course, like pretty much unless you have like a lot of anxiety, which is understandable. Like, you're probably going to do this. Because, um, like, why the fuck would you take the final? Um, mm. Yeah, I go into the class. They they have It's like a full thing. Like, there's, like, different brackets and everything. And you have to go to, the, like, they have, like, your last name printed on a sheet, report to this classroom. And then, like, your judges were, like, students on the speech and debate team that were, like, a little more experienced in public speaking and what you should do, what you shouldn't do. 
And dude, like, I was like, oh, it's going to be like an hour of my time. Like, it's going to be chill. And I ended up getting like top three. Like, it, it was like oh. a lot more of my day than I expected. Oh, but I got shoot. like second or third place for like half-assing the speech. I think I talked about peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> about like why it shouldn't be in schools or something like that. Oh. Um, yeah, dude. And I was like, oh, I don't got to take what? this. It was, it was just cool because I hadn't done like a speech tournament before. And I was like pretty confident in my public speaking and everything. I was like, oh, like, I'm pretty decent at this. And I considered joining the speech and debate team and everything after that. But um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. Didn't have to take the final. Kind of chilled out with friends all day. Went up, spoke in front of people, sat down. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you half-assed it, but you scored top three. That's, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Is, I think it's because like everybody half-assed it. So oh. like my half-ass has to be somehow higher than a lot of the other half-ass. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish I did something like that. That sounds pretty fun. That sounds fun. Um, my highlight memory, this is more with sort of an extracurricular stuff. I mentioned in a previous episode that I was involved with Phi Theta Kappa. It's an international yeah, honor society for two-year colleges. And so we had to do a fundraiser one time. And somehow the fundraising opportunity uh, became joining this laugh track audience taping thing. <laughs> so basically, I think there were like 10 of us. We were signed up to go to Hollywood to go to Hollywood and sit in for a live sort of crowd taping of the show The Ranch on Netflix. Starring um, Ashton Kutcher, right? Yeah, he was there. Sam Elliott, is that his name? Sam um, Elliott, yeah. Yeah, he was also there. So yeah, we were there in the crowd. But the thing is, I thought it was going to be easy, right? You're just watching people, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was gonna be funny and easy to laugh, but first of all, before they even come on board, there's like a person, uh, like an MC that's like, whose job is to work up the crowd a little bit. Like, can you them. like, can you paint a picture for us? Like, are you sitting down in like office chairs, or is it like theater rows? Like, because what I imagine is like you're in a studio, oh, and no, they no, have no. like so, fake theater seats. But what is it? So imagine it's like a high school gym. Okay. Okay, and you're sitting you're sitting on the bleachers basically, and you see them right in front of you. They're they're in person like acting the actors? it out. Okay, yeah, they're a actually acting it out in front of you, and it's pretty dark. And so you know, the spotlights on them. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> the spotlights on them, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, are they like start, in costume and there's set and everything? Yeah, yeah, there's a okay. set and everything. So it's everything's basically set. We're just there removed from the scene watch sitting and watching on the bleachers and then some there was an mc who was trying to get us to laugh in the beginning before that whole show started and w when it started i thought it was gonna be chill easy right easy laugh but no they re-filmed the scenes multiple times mm. so the first time might be funny but like the fifth time you heard a joke it's not funny at all exactly you don't want to laugh anymore and um there was like sort of like a, they were measuring how loudly we were laughing, if I remember correctly. And so it, if it wasn't loud enough, they would encourage us. And they also picked on us a couple times like to come to the front and like, I don't know, just ask us random questions to just get the crowd vibe going, whatever. Um, but I mean, that was a highlight memory because it was so memorable and it was pretty fun for the most part. We got good food afterward. <laughs> but yeah, I think I also remember more just because of how, much of a new experience it was and be, this was a fundraiser laugh track 
Yeah, you got you got paid. I think it was ninety dollar per person. Oh, that I need to join these. Just gonna laugh. Wait a minute. <laughs> Meanwhile, when I was in Phi Theta Kappa, all I did was sit in a room and discuss things with two other people and then leave. Oof. So we did that too. We did that too. <laughs> Wait, we so were they, to... like, retaping because, like, they didn't like how the scene was? Or because your guys' laughing was bad? Well, the scene. Not, okay. not I was just imagining, like, the actors are perfect. <laughs> and they're just looking at you guys like, you guys fucking <laughs> suck. Like, no, laugh louder, laugh quieter. I mean, I imagine they oh. also need multiple takes because most scenes aren't yeah. just yeah. filmed once, even if they appear to go perfectly. They gotta do multiple angles for the same scene and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'd imagine yeah. no matter what, they would there have were... to do it a bunch of times. Right, right. And they were also, they were giving out awards for people that were laughing the most. <laughs> um, what? And so you had some people trying hard. It was actually kind of funny. Some people were fake laughing hella loud so, so that they could get that award. It was an experience. God. Well, yeah, that is pretty unique. I'm pretty sure I heard of like PTK when I was at my school. Like, don't they like send you mail? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I looked at it. I'm like, oh, this is a scam. And I like, tossed it in the trash. <laughs> I did that to every society that reached out to me at Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, I did that constantly in my JC. I was like, this can't be real. Yeah, fight, fight that a cap it was pretty legit, though, I think, in my opinion. I yeah, even went I guess to it one of the events. two out of three of us. It's <laughs> pretty good. Didn't work yeah. for me. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> I just paid the fees. Nothing ever came away. Uh, <laughs> see, that's what I was concerned of. I was like, I feel like I'm gonna pay, and that's it. Like nothing. What do I gain? Right. Like, Paul got dope stuff. And there's for people us, like Paul. <laughs> Gets to he used to live in, live in LA. <laughs> Get paid to laugh. Yeah, I, but it wasn't that easy as it sounds. Honestly, I'm not sure if I would do it again. It was just a once in a lifetime sort of thing. It's kind of mm-hmm. tough. Well, with all that being said, I think we've wrapped up everything we wanted to cover on today's episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and next episode, I think, is... I think it's on applications now, right? We're starting to move in the yeah, timeline. Yeah, we're talking about applications. Transfer yeah. applications. Yes. Thank you guys for listening to the transfer experience. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about some mistakes to avoid, along with some highlight memories we had from our junior college experience. Please rate us if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and be sure to follow us on any other platform you're using. You can catch us on Instagram at the transfer experience. We hope you guys have a good time and we hope to hear from you next week. Yeah. And if you have any questions, send us a DM or through email transferexperience at gmail.com. We're also potentially looking for some guests in future episodes. So yeah, if you're interested in that and you think you have a unique experience, same thing, DM us on Instagram, email us. Our email's in our Instagram bio, and we'd love to hear from you guys. All right, thanks guys, bye.